Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 5. Karen. I love my big stepsister, Christy. She's very, very fun. But here's one thing I don't love about her. Sometimes she doesn't believe the things I say. And just because I'm only six years old. I don't think that's fair, but it happens. Also, sometimes she says I'm too little to do things. I don't think that's fair either, but it happens. It was our first day on the big ship called the Ocean Princess. Andrew and I were really excited. We wanted to go swimming. We wanted to go exploring. And we wanted Christy to go with us. But Christy and her friend Claudia had gone off on a walk. Andrew and I hoped they would come back soon. Here they come. Here they come. Andrew shouted a little while later. I ran out into the corridor to see. Sure enough, there were Christy and Claudia. Christy, I called. Me and Andrew want to go swimming. Will you take us? Daddy and Elizabeth say they want to take naps after they finish unpacking. Elizabeth is Christy's mother, my stepmother. Sure, said Christy. You don't mind, do you, Claude? Claudia shook her head. Maybe I'll go look for Dawn. Are you mad at Dawn, Christy? I said as she helped me change into my bathing suit. No. Why do you think that? I just do. I can tell. Were you eavesdropping? Christy asked. Now she was helping Andrew with his suit. No. Honest, I said. Christy gave me one of her I don't believe you looks. Never mind, I told her. Let's go. Christy changed to her suit too, and then we were all ready. Let me just get David Michael, Christy said, stopping by her brother's cabin. I bet he'll want to come with us. He did. A few minutes later, the four of us were on our way up to the moon dance deck, standing at the edge of the children's pool. And that was when I remember something important. Uh Uh-oh, I said. Christy, I forgot my earplugs. I can't go swimming without them. I'm not allowed. I'll get an earache. Then I had a terrific idea. Can I go get them myself, please? I know the way back to our cabin. Really, I do. Oh, no said Christy. You're not going alone. I have to go back with you. I mean, we all will. No way, said David Michael. We just got here. Please let me go, Christy, I said. Please. Christy scrunched up her face. All right, she said at last. You can go by yourself, but come right back. Understand? I understand, and I promise, I cried. I dashed down one flight of stairs and then another. I knew I had two more flights to go before I reached my cabin, but I had to stop and look around the coastal deck. I'm just shocked that this ship doesn't have elevators already. Like, were they not invented or were they just not allowed to use them or did they not fathom that they had elevators on a a cruise ship? Because the only people I saw taking the stairs on this cruise ship that we went on was me. I knew I had two more flights to go before I reached my cabin, but I just had to stop and look around the coastal deck. I had to. From where I was standing, I could see a big restaurant. Even better, I could see a beauty parlor. I just love beauty parlors. Sometimes my friend Hanny and I play beauty parlor and fix our dolls' hair. We make them look very, very lovely. This beauty parlor was called the Seven Seas. I peeked inside. A lady was having her nails painted. A big girl about Christy's age was having her hair trimmed. I forgot all about my promise to Christy. I stepped up to the desk and stood on tiptoe. Hello, I said to the lady there. 
Yes, she replied, smiling. She peered down at me. I put on my most grown-up voice. I would like to have my nails painted, please, madam, I said. Discharge to my cabin. The lady opened her eyes wide. She looked a little surprised. Just charge it, she repeated. I nodded. I know all about charging. Andrew and I have stayed in hotels lots of times with Daddy. Twice we stayed in a hotel in New York City, and another time in a hotel in Chicago. Whenever we're in hotels, Daddy hardly spends any money. He just says, and charge to our room, please. So I know you can do this. Except here on the Ocean Princess, I was guessing you were supposed to say cabin instead of room. The lady behind the counter leaned a little further and peered at me closely. Do you have permission to charge things to your cabin? She asked. Did your parents say you could? No, they didn't, because getting her nails done probably cost like 60 bucks. Daddy had not said anything about charging. Neither had Elizabeth. They hadn't said I could. They hadn't said I couldn't. But before I answered the question, I had to straighten the lady out about something. I'm not here with my parents, I told her. I'm here with my daddy and Elizabeth. Elizabeth is my stepmommy, not my real mommy. My parents are divorced. See, that's a Karen. That's just, you see it. The lady clucked. She looked very concerned. Poor little thing, she muttered. Like you ain't never. Mm, mm, mm. What's your cabin number, sweetie? She was checking a long computer list. It's P9, I told her. P9, P9. Your daddy's name? Watson Brewer. Right-o. Okay, if you'll just wait a moment, Judith will take care of you. She's the one over there, the lady said, pointing. See your name tag? Won't you sit down while you wait? I sat. Soon Judith called, Miss Brewer? I got to my feet feeling very grown up. Judith showed me bottles and bottles of nail polish and told me to choose a color. It was hard to make up my mind. Finally, I chose light purple. Splendid, exclaimed Judith. That will look divine. And it did, but a manicure takes much longer than I thought it would. First, Judith soaked my fingers. Then she cleaned my nails. Then she fussed with the skin around my nails. Then she put on some clear stuff. Then she put on the purple polish. Then she put on more clear stuff. And then I had to wait for everything to dry. Now you be careful, Judith said to me when she finally let me go. That polish isn't quite hard yet. I'll be careful, I promised. Thanks, Judith. While I was thanking Judith, the big girl who was having her hair trimmed was standing up and saying, Thanks, Lynette to her hairdresser. She handed Lynette some money. I guess she didn't know how to charge. Lynette glanced at the money. Thanks. Let me get this change for you. Oh, don't bother, said the girl. Keep the change. But this is a hundred dollar bill. The girl waved her hand in the air. Oh, it doesn't matter. My aunt is a countess. I have lots of money. Well, well, thank you, said Lynette. She and I both watched the girl leave the beauty parlor. I was amazed. A countess, like a person in a fairy tale. I remembered that I was supposed to be getting my earplugs, so I ran down to cabin P9. I opened the door quietly and tiptoed in. Sure enough, Daddy and Elizabeth were taking naps. I found my earplugs and started up to the moon dance deck. Halfway there, I decided I was thirsty. Very thirsty. I hadn't had anything to drink since I was on the plane. Where could I get something to drink, I wondered. I didn't want water from a fountain. I wanted something more special. I climbed the stairs from deck to deck slowly. Each time I reached a new deck, I stopped to look around. 
and on the tropical deck, I saw something called the Moonlight Cafe. A cafe is an eating place. Daddy and Andrew and I ate at one in New York City. We sat at a little round table on the sidewalk. There was an umbrella over us. The pole went right through a hole in the middle of the table. Daddy said we could order whatever we wanted. I ordered crab's legs, but I didn't eat them because she's a Karen. The Moonlight Cafe didn't look anything like the cafe in New York, but I decided to try it anyway. I sat down at a table. The cafe was crowded. The waiter who came over seemed very busy. He flipped open his order pad. Yes, he said. He didn't look at me. One Coke, please, sir, I told him, and charged the cabin P9, Watson Brewer. You got it. The waiter brought my Coke. I drank it pretty fast. I realized I'd been gone an awfully long time for someone who was supposed to be just getting her earplugs. As soon as I was finished, I ran upstairs to the moon dance deck and found a swimming pool. Andrew and David Michael were in it, but Christy was sitting nervously in a lounge chair. Karen Brewer, she cried as soon as she saw me. Where on earth have you been? I was worried. She got up and ran towards me. I thought Christy was mad at me, but when she reached me, she gave me a hug. Don't ever do that again, she said. Her arms were still around me. I was about to get a search party going or call the boat police or something. The boat police? Are there really boat police? I asked. No, said Christy, pulling away from me. Just kidding. But where were you? You better have a good story. Well, I said slowly. I hoped a manicure and a coke were good stories, but I had a feeling they weren't. Chrissy probably thought I had gotten lost or gotten into some kind of trouble. I couldn't lie to her, though. I held out my hands. I told her what I had been doing. When I was finished, Chrissy burst out laughing. You were getting a manicure? she exclaimed. I nodded. How did you pay for it? And the coke? I charged them to our cabin. Chrissy shook her head. You're too much, she said. She gave me another hug. Then she got out her camera. Hold out your hands again, she said. Let me take a picture of you with your manicure. I held out my hands and put on a great big grin, even though I'm missing two teeth. Chrissy snapped my picture. Then she snapped pictures of Andrew and David Michael in the water. I put on my earplugs and jumped in the pool. I am so, so glad that Chrissy's my big sister. So... At the point when she comes down stairs and tells them that she wants to charge something to her parents' room, and the woman says, do you have permission? And she's like, yeah. And then she changes the subject by saying that Elizabeth isn't her real mom. She's her stepmom. And the lady's like, Pure, poor girl. And from there, she pities her and gets her set up for uh, to get her nails done. Yeah, I'm going to get that erased off my bill. You shouldn't have authorized that. You should have called my room and, and checked with me or something. Yeah, I'm not paying for that. You're crazy. Get out of my face. Go eat them crab legs at the cafe. Chapter 6. Claudia. I'll tell you something. I have never woken up on a ship before. It was kind of interesting going to sleep in my bunk last night. The ship was rocking back and forth very gently. I felt like I was falling asleep on a giant waterbed. And then this morning, I woke up to feel the sway, sway, sway of the ship. Except for our alarm clock, which rang at 7.30, I would have never known it was morning, though. 
Our cabin is in the middle of the ship, so there's no window for the sun to shine through. And of course, since I wasn't at home, there was no shouts of, Claudia, get a move on, or Mimi, I can't find my sweater. There wasn't even a nice smell of coffee. Nevertheless, as soon as the alarm went off, I sprang up. Luckily, I remember just in time I was on the top bunk. I lowered myself to the floor, stepping on Christy's hand on the way down. Ah! She cried. Sorry, I said, but it's time to get up anyway. Hurry, you guys. It was our second day on the Ocean Princess, and later in the morning, the ship was going to dock in New Providence Island in the Bahamas. How fast was that? But Wait, what? Okay, so Florida to the Bahamas, maybe, but I know that there's usually one fun day at sea while they get to the first location. Just saying. We were going to spend one glorious day in the town of Nassau. It's really pretty, by the way. I couldn't wait. Think of it. Me, Claudia Kishi, in the Bahamas. It was almost as good as saying as I was in Hawaii or on the shores of Tahiti. Tropical beaches, white sand, palm trees, cloudless blue skies, shells, maybe a cute guy. I woke up Dawn, who was sleeping in the bottom of the other bunk bed. We're using the top of the bed for all the clothes I brought that I couldn't squeeze in our tiny closet or the dresser drawers. Then the three of us got dressed quickly, but silently. Well, I got dressed quickly. This was because while I had been lying in my bunk the night before, I had planned exactly what I was going to wear. I put on my new blue and white bikini, and over that, a pink sundress with spaghetti straps at the shoulders and big blue buttons down the front. Then I accessorized. I tied a pink and blue scarf around my waist, knotting it in the middle, added my snake bracelet and feather earrings, wound my hair up on top of my head, and finally put on these white sandals with long laces that you crisscross up your legs and tie in a bow. When I was dressed, I sat at the desk and watched Don and Christy. Don took off her nightgown, folded it, and placed it in a dresser drawer. Christy slipped her pajamas off, leaving them in a puddle around her feet. Then she stared at Don, waiting for a reaction. After a moment, she stepped aside and Don whisked them off the floor and handed them to Christy. There, she said. Are you satisfied? You wanted to make me mad and it worked, okay? Oh, for heaven's sake, chill out, you guys, I told him. Christy, grow up. Christy stuck her tongue out at me. That morning, we ate breakfast at the Flamingo K restaurant with Christy's family. We sat at two tables. Christy, Dawn, Karen, Andrew, David, Michael, and me at one. Mr. and Mrs. Brewer, Sam, and Charlie at the other. Breakfast at our table was just a little strained, but I forgot about our problems as soon as our orange juice was served. The waiter brought over a tray with six little glasses of juice, each one on a plate. My juice was the only one that was also on a napkin. When I lifted my glass, I saw something that was written on the napkin. It said, I think you're beautiful. And it was signed, A Secret Admirer. Christy, I yelped. Don, look. I showed them the napkin. Who could have written it? asked Don. The waiter, suggested Christy. No way, I replied. Our waiter was about 87 years old. Then I got a flash of inspiration. You guys, I whispered, and everyone leaned forward, even the little kids. You know who's on board the ship? Who, they asked. Spider. You know, from the insects. Mallory Pike told me so. She saw him yesterday with her own eyes. Everybody would know who Mallory is, right? So why is she saying her last name? Um. No, cried Christy and Don. 
Yes, I said. I forgot all about it until right now. What if this note's from Spider, a rock star? Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be amazing, all right, agreed Christy dryly. I made a face at her. Then I glanced at Dawn. Dawn wasn't listening to our conversation anymore. Her eyes were glued to something across the room. I looked where she was looking and saw a gorgeous guy. I nudged Christy and pointed to Dawn. I whispered. I think Dawn's on the prowl. We started giggling and couldn't stop. It turned out that I was right. Later that morning when the ship docked in Nassau, Dawn walked off like a zombie. See you guys later, she said vaguely. Christy's mom and stepfather had told Dawn, Christy, and me that we didn't have to stick with them. They said Nassau wasn't that big of a place, and we were old enough and responsible enough to go off on our own, as long as we returned to the Ocean Princess by 5 o'clock. No sweat. The only thing was, Don the zombie had her eye on Mr. Gorgeous, and Christy seemed to want to stay with her family. I could have stayed with them too, but I knew that this was the first vacation they had taken since Christy's mom and Mary Watson. So I felt that I should leave them alone and let them be a family. Well, I said brightly as our feet touched solid ground again. I'm going shopping. See you at five o'clock. I headed for the nearest store. I just love to shop. But I felt a little lonely and left out. I hadn't exactly expected to spend my first day on a tropical island alone. I guess I could have joined up with Stacy or Marianne and the Pikes, but I also hadn't expected to spend my first day on a tropical island babysitting. I stood around the store until I was sure that Chrissy and her family were gone. Then I stepped outside and got my first good look at Nassau. Little streets lined with shops twisted and turned in several directions. Palm trees and flowering plants were everywhere. The smell of the blossoms mingled with the salty air. I breathed in. Heavenly. I wished I had thought to bring a sketch pad with me. You know what? That would have been dope. I really wish I had, next time I go on a cruise, I'm going to take a sketch pad with me. And some, some colored pencils. And I'm going to sketch. That would be really nice. Like, like, taking pictures was excellent. I took some really great shots. But... If you could just sit down somewhere and draw, like when you're unencumbered, when there's nobody else with you, you just sit down and draw the the, the, the locale that you're in. And then you realize you can't draw and it's all stick figures. <laughs> I'm going to still try it, though. I can draw, kind of. Not like I used to, but I used to be really good at it, and I'm sure I still am. Oh, well. I could have made some terrific drawings of the beach and the people in the crowded streets. But at least I had my camera. I could take lots of pictures to show Mimi, my grandmother. She's never been to the Bahamas. I began walking and taking pictures. But after three shots, I realized something odd was going on. Every time I looked through a viewfinder, especially if I turned around, searching for a shot behind me, I thought I saw a figure jump out the way. The fourth time that happened, I glanced up to see who it was. But I couldn't tell. The streets were too crowded. People in Nassau sure are polite, I thought. In Connecticut, they'd probably walk right in front of you and ruin the picture, not jump out of the way. I walked until I came to a place called the Straw Market. Everywhere, island women were selling handmade straw crafts, mats and blankets and hats and bags. They were selling coral jewelry and embroidered linen, too. The most beautiful napkins and hand towels and pillowcases I'd ever seen. I know how to do embroidery, sort of. But not like this. Even Marianne would be impressed, I thought. And she does lots of needlework.
The crafts were spread out on tables or on cloths or mats on the ground. I kept stopping to examine things. Twice, when I knelt down to look at some baskets, a shadow fell over me. When I glanced up to see who was casting it, no one was around. When I looked back at the ground, the shadow was gone. Weird, I thought. I bought a straw bag for my mother, an embroidered glasses case for my sister Janine, and a coral necklace for Mimi. Finding something to bring back for my dad would be more difficult, but I keep looking. When I finished my shopping, I sat down on a bench to change the film in my camera. Remember that? Remember that? Remember? Huh? No? Hmm. Then I decided to look at the gifts I bought. I pulled the straw bag out of my tote, and a note fell out. I grabbed for it. I still think you're beautiful, the note read. Your secret admirer. Is it just me or is secret admirers kind of creepy and stalky? I know it's not just me. Like, I would feel like, ugh. I mean, it's nice at first, but then it's just creepy. Like, the shadows over the shoulders and all that kind of stuff. Like, for real, for real? Frill? F-R-E-E-L. Frill, frill? If I hadn't been sitting down, I would have had to have found a seat fast. My knees went all weak. Where are my friends when I needed them? I was dying to show them note number two. But I was on my own. I looked at my watch. There were hours until 5 p.m. I decided to visit the seafloor aquarium. The most interesting thing that happened there was that when I stepped up to pay the admission fee, the woman taking the money waved me through, saying, Go on ahead, miss. The young gentleman paid your way. My mouth dropped wide open. What young gentleman? I looked all around, but could only see families and lots of little kids. I spent an hour at the aquarium. But I wasn't looking for fish. I was looking for my secret admirer. Finally, I gave up. I went back to the little shops I passed when I had first gotten off the Ocean Princess. It was time to buy a souvenir for myself. And to look for something for my dad again. I found the perfect thing for me in a jewelry store. A pair of Mother of Pearl earrings. But they were much, much too expensive. Sorry, I said sadly to the clerk when he told me the price. I guess I, um, can't afford them. Thanks anyway. I left the shop feeling sort of sad. I spent the day alone. I hadn't gotten a present from my father. I didn't know who my admirer was, and I couldn't afford the beautiful earrings. I found an outdoor restaurant, sat down at a table, and ordered a Coke with an umbrella in it. When the Coke arrived, it was served on a white china dish. The umbrella was in the Coke. The box was next to the dish. I looked at the box and up at the waiter. He just shrugged. When he left, I opened the box. Inside, on a bed of cotton, lay the mother of pearl earrings and a note that read, From Your Secret Admirer. When I returned to the Ocean Princess that afternoon, my mind was whirling and I felt dazed with excitement and mystery. Chapter 7. Stacy What a day we all had! We compared notes that evening at our first official vacation meeting of the Babysitter's Club. We held the meeting in the room Christy, Dawn, and Claudia were sharing. Mr. and Mrs. Pike had given Marianne and me two hours off, and we needed the break. Each of us had some sort of story to tell. Watson taught Dave and Michael how to do the crawl, said Christy. Dave and Michael's a terrible swimmer. He could only dog paddle, but Watson took him out to this really calm little bay, and you should see my brother swim now. I never knew Watson was such a good teacher. I spent the entire day with Vanessa and Nikki, said Marianne. I was kind of hoping Mallory would join us, but she's been spending an awful lot of time by herself. 
Have you gotten the feeling she's hiding something? Marianne asked me. I shook my head slowly. Not Mallory. She's not a sneak. That's not what I mean, Marianne replied. Not exactly. I mean, I don't know. Well, I said, I'm surprised I'm not a prune. Talk about swimming, Christy. I spent practically the whole day in the water with Vanessa and Margot. They're tireless. I don't know how mothers keep up with their kids. What'd you do today, Dawn? Dawn lowered her eyes and looked shy, which was unlike her. I sort of followed this cute boy around, was all she would say. That's a switch, said Claudia, because a boy followed me all around today. Only I don't even know whether he's cute. Claudia told us about her mysterious and elusive secret admirer. <laughs> it won't happen in this book because it's not that kind of book. But what if her secret admirer is a person that Dawn was following around? I think that she'd know because she'd see Claudia at some point when she when he put jewelry on uh, Claudia's next to her glass of Coke. And again, Pepsi is way better than Coke. Fight yourself. I don't have time. When she was finished, Chrissy asked, Any club business? We were too keyed up to think of a single thing. What about presents for the Pikes and Watson and Mom? She went on. At first, no one said a word. Finally, Claudia suggested, Candy? Just as Dawn said, Flowers? You guys are hopeless, Chrissy told us. This meeting is adjourned. I looked at my watch. More than an hour was left of our two-hour break, and after my day spent babysitting and in the club meeting... All I wanted was to be left alone for a while. So Christy went off with Marianne, Claudia went off with Don, and I went off by myself. I went all the way up to the sun deck. It was too late for sun, of course, because I had already seen plenty of it that day. But I wanted to get close to the night sky and see the stars over the ocean. I had seen a New York night sky, a country Connecticut night sky, a New Jersey beach night sky, but never out in the middle of the ocean night sky. And I can tell y'all, personally... It's captivating and it's so peaceful. It is so nice. Oh my gosh. Apparently, a whole lot of other people had the same idea, even though there were really no stars to be seen. Sometime between leaving Nassau and ending our club meeting, the sky had clouded over and a wind had blown up. I walked around the deck until I found a spot near the entrance to the swimming pool when no one else was standing. I stared out at the ocean swells. Then up at the cloudy skies. I breathed in the salt air. <sighs> I said. I didn't even realize I had spoken out loud. But I must have because a small voice said, It's nice, isn't it? I whirled around. Sitting behind me in the shadow of a doorway was a little kid in a wheelchair. Mallory had said something about seeing a kid in a wheelchair. It was funny. She seemed to have noticed an awful lot about the people on the ship. Even though I wanted to be alone, I smiled and stepped over to the boy. It's just impossible for me to ignore anyone who's sick or hurt or handicapped. Disabled. Differently able? Person with disabilities. There we go. I guess that's because I have diabetes myself. I understand what it's like to be ill sometimes. To have to remember to take medication. To be in the hospital. It's beautiful, I said to the boy. I just love the ocean. Me too. Would you like me to push you closer to the railing so you could see better? I asked him. The boy looked thoughtful. I would, he replied finally, but you'll have to set the brake and hold the chair tight. I mean, if you don't mind. 
My parents worry a lot. They don't want me rolling around. I don't mind, I replied. I pushed a chair across the deck, set the brake, and held on tight. Where are your parents, I asked him. If they were so worried, why had they left them alone? They're having a cup of coffee at the cafe. I said to them, please, 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 can I go somewhere by myself? So they said they would leave me here. I bet they'll be back in a minute, though. They really do worry about me all the time. I smiled. I like this kid. I'm Stacy McGill, I told him. What's your name? Mark Kabaki. I'm seven. How old are you? Seven, I thought. The kid sounded seven, but he looked four. I'm 13, I told him. You want no secret? Mark asked, craning his neck around and peering up at me. Sure, I love secrets. As much as the ocean? More. Mark grinned. Okay, here's a secret. I'm not crippled. I can walk just fine. I was about to ask, then how come you're in this wheelchair? When Mark went on. I have a real bad heart problem. I'm not allowed to walk or run or do anything to strange my heart or makes me get out of breath. Wow, I replied. What a drag. I paused, wondering whether to tell Mark about me. Not that he couldn't handle it. I just don't talk about it all that much. But the least I could do was be as straightforward as Mark. I drew in a breath. Now I'll tell you a secret. I have diabetes. And my parents worry about me all the time, too. Mark wanted to know what diabetes was, so I explained as simply as I could. He nodded thoughtfully. Then he said, this is our first big vacation. I wanted to go to the Magic Kingdom, and Mom and Dad had never been on a cruise, so we decided to take this trip. I like the boat, but I can't wait for Disney World. Who's your favorite Disney character, I asked. Goofy. Definitely Goofy. Oh, here come my parents. A young man and woman rushed over to Mark, looking concerned. But Mark saved things. This is my new friend Stacy, he said. She's holding on real tight. The Kabakis laughed. We talked for a few minutes. Then I realized my two hours were almost up. I better go, I said. But I hope I see you again soon, Mark. Okay, he replied. Bye, and thanks for holding on. I hope your diabetes get better. So did I. But that's the thing about diabetes. You have it for life. As I made my way down to our cabins, I thought it really was a good thing I'd been holding on tightly to Mark's chair. The ship had started to pitch from side to side, and I was having trouble walking. I kept slamming into walls and doorways. When I reached our cabin, Marianne stepped. Actually, she fell through the doorway of the cabin next door. Oh, Stace, I'm glad you're back, she said, getting to her feet. We're trying to settle everyone for the night. The crew is telling people to stay in their cabins. A big storm is coming. No kidding? Wow, I exclaimed. Yeah, said Marianne. I've got Vanessa and Mallory in there, she nodded towards her cabin. But Claire and Margo were kind of scared, and they're in with Mr. and Mrs. Pike. Okay, I said. Thanks. I retrieved Claire and Margo, who did seem a little frightened, but not too scared and tucked them into the bottom bunks in our cabin. I was trying to climb onto my top bunk when the ship tipped way over on one side. Whoa! I cried as I slipped back down to the floor. A box of Kleenex flew over my head, and Claire's bathing suit sailed by. Boy, now I see why all the furniture stuck to the floor, said Claire. 
But Margot said, Stacy, Stacy, I don't feel well. Uh-oh, I thought. Margot was famous for her emotion sickness, and I can't stand to see people throw up. I gave Margot a hug, though, and handed her a trash can. Here, I said, if you have to get sick, you can do it in there, okay? I'm going to run to your parents' cabin and see if it's okay to give you some drama, me. Oh, don't leave, wailed Margot, but I had to. The Dramamine was in Miss Pike's suitcase. I'll stay with you, Margot, said Claire, looking worried. Now they have um, wristbands. I don't get sick on the ship, but Nisha had some moments where she was feeling like it was moving too much. And they have wristbands that you could put on with a little like knob or a, a, a pill-sized lump on one end. And you put it on your artery, the vein right underneath your wrist. I don't know which one it is. Um corduroy i don't know whatever um i'm not a nurse and it's almost like acupuncture you know you put it right there and it's supposed to ease uh the sensation of feeling dizzy or sick i didn't put one on but nisha did and i guess it worked because she didn't throw up i dashed to the pike's cabin and miss pike returned with me and then took Margot, who had thrown up twice in a wastebasket back to her room for the night then I had to clean out the wastebasket, which was really, really, really disgusting. But that was part of my job. Babysitting isn't always fun in games. Still, after I had finished, the rest of the evening was kind of fun. There was no way Claire was going to go to sleep for a while, so she and I watched things slide around. We took pictures of a suitcase that had dumped over and of a banana flying through the air. Well, I hope I got the banana. I even took a picture of Claire laughing hysterically as she fell out of bed. When she finally got tired, we lay together in my bunk and listened to the howling wind and lashing rain. At last, Claire fell asleep, and I climbed up to my bed. The next morning, the sea was calm, the sky was clear, and the sun was shining. Chapter 8. Christy The last thing I expected when I woke up in the morning of the third day of the cruise was a calm sea. The storm was over. I don't believe it, I said to Claudia as she climbed down from the top of our bunk. I thought for sure, ah, can't you get out of bed without stepping on me? Sorry, said Claudia. I'm just not used to this thing. People always talk about climbing into or out of bed, but I never thought of that in terms of ladders. It doesn't seem normal. Wake Donna, will you please, Claude? We're supposed to meet Mom and Watson and everybody for breakfast in half an hour. Claudia had just stepped into the bathroom. I could hear water running. I can't, she called. You do it. Oh, I groaned. Never mind, said Dawn. I'm awake. She sat up quickly and hit her head on the springs of the top bunk. A pair of Claudia's shoes fell to the floor. Dawn frowned. This room is a dump, she said. I don't think so, I retorted. And just to make her madder than she already was, I got up without hitting my head and swept two more pairs of Claudia's shoes off the bunk. Why? I mean, kids, childish, I get it. But still, why? Donk, 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 donk. They landed on the floor. I was doing it on purpose, and I knew it would make Don mad. It would serve her right for being such a neatnik. Like, why is that a bad thing? I don't get it. Like, just, I don't know. Don stomped around, picked up all six shoes, and threw them back on the bed. Then she found the wrappers from two bags of M&Ms that Claudia and I had eaten the night before and threw them into the trash can with such force that they almost bounced back out again. I felt a little worried. Maybe I had gone too far with Dawn. 
Just in case, I decided to eat at Mom and Watson's table. And then I decided I needed to go someplace to cool off. Literally. So I put on my bathing suit, grabbed a towel, my sunscreen, and a sports book I was reading, and headed for the big pool on the sun deck. I wanted to go swimming, but it was too soon after breakfast. Watson says that that business about waiting an hour before you go in the water after you've eaten is an old wives' tale. But I had eaten two poached eggs, two English muffins, and four pieces of bacon, and I had drunk both tea and orange juice at breakfast. So I was on the full side and decided to wait anyway. I plunked down on a lounge chair, spread on my coconut-scented sunscreen, and opened my book. I hadn't read more than a page when someone else plunked down on the chair next to me. I hoped it wasn't Dawn, unless she was coming to apologize. When no one said anything, though, I dared to glance over at the chair. Sitting in it was an old man wearing a blue Hawaiian print shirt, kind of like one Stacy has, and green Hawaiian print shorts. The shirt and shorts absolutely didn't match. They looked awful together. Just as bad as the man's faded blue golf cap and the look on his face. The look was so grouchy that I quickly turned my head back to my book. But right away I had to glance at him again. Wasn't he the man who had stopped Claudia and me the other day to ask us the time? I couldn't be sure. There were so many people on board the Ocean Princess. Besides, that man had seemed sad, not grouchy. I turned back to my book. I read a chapter, then another. The sun was scorching. I decided it was time for a swim. I began swimming laps. When I surfaced after a while, the man had gotten a glass of iced tea from somewhere. He tasted it and made a hideous face. The next time I surfaced, it was just in time to hear the man say, Clumsy fool. I wasn't positive why he was saying it, but a woman was walking away from him looking quite annoyed. The next time I surfaced, the man had opened a book, but he wasn't reading it. He was looking over at a group of people who were laughing and talking and playing Trivial Pursuit. No respect for someone who might want to read, grumbled the man as I hoisted myself out of the pool. What did he expect, I thought. This is a pool, not a library. As I was drying myself off, the man dropped his book. Without thinking about it, I leaned over and retrieved it. Here you go, I said, handing it to him. And then I glanced at the title. The Mayor of Casterbridge, I exclaimed. That's my nanny's favorite book. She reads it once a year. No kidding, said the man. I've read it eight times. Who's your nanny? My grandmother. Mom's mother. She's 73. She has a card named the Pink Clinker. No kidding, the man said again. 73. Does that mean she's read the book 73 times? I shook my head. Only 58. Once a year since she was 15. I guess I forgot to mention that part. The man almost smiled then, but not quite. My Gertrude's favorite book was Pride and Prejudice. It was my turn. Who's Gertrude? I asked as I finished drying off and lay down on the lounge chair again. My wife. Dead now. The man turned away. His almost smile had disappeared. I'm sorry, I told him. I really am. It's awful when people die or go away. Nanny's husband, my grandfather, died. And my dad went away once and never came back. Now I have a stepfather. No kidding. Yeah, he's the one taking us on this trip. He's taking my mom, my three brothers, my two friends, my stepsister and stepbrother, and me. No kidding. Sounds like a mighty nice man. 
Oh, he is, I assured the man. And generous. I think he'd do anything for our family. But you know what? Why was I confiding in this stranger? One of my friends that Watson brought along? Her name is Dawn. Well, she and I are sort of having a fight. No kidding. Yeah. I hate having fights, but you're the one who instigated this whole thing. Just keep it going. Especially when you're supposed to be having a good time. And especially when she's my guest. What are you fighting about? We're kind of like the odd couple on TV. No kidding. Which use the messy one? Me. I looked down at my hands. Nothing to be ashamed of, said the man. My Gertrude and I were like that. I was the messy one too. Yeah? Then we're two of a kind. I guess, he replied, except that you look like you're having fun on this trip. Oh, I am, I agreed, not counting the problem with Dawn. Aren't you having fun? The man shrugged. I don't fit in on this trip. I should never have come. I came for the wrong reasons. Besides, I'm too old and I'm a big grouch. I giggled. My name's Christy Thomas, I told him. What's yours? Rudy Staples. Nice to meet you, Mr. Staples, I said and shook his hand. Nice to meet you, Christy Thomas. Mr. Staples told me all about Gertrude then. How even though she was a neatnik, she had been his lawn bowling partner, his golf partner, his life partner. But she had had a heart attack and died just two months earlier. Mr. Staples had taken the trip for a change of pace. He said he needed to get away from his memories. I didn't think the idea was working too well. You know what? I said to Mr. Staples. It's getting awfully hot out here. We don't want to get sunburned. Let's go inside. Do you know how to play Centipede? That one of those noisy beeping video games? He asked with a scowl. Yes, I replied, undaunted. Slobs like us love them. So come on down to the tropical deck. I'll show you how to play. I'll show you how to play Pac-Man and Donkey Kong too. To my surprise, Mr. Staples came along. To my greater surprise, he was good at Centipede. When we were tired of the video room, Mr. Staples said his ears were ringing. We went back up to the sun deck. There, Mr. Staples showed me how to play shuffleboard. To my surprise, I was good. I looked at my watch after we finished a couple of games. Gosh, I exclaimed. I have to go. It's almost lunchtime. This was really fun. Will I see you on Treasure K? I asked. That was where the Ocean Princess was going to dock for the afternoon. But you didn't have to visit the island if you don't want to. Maybe, said Mr. Staples. Don't know what I'd do there, though. Just look around, I said. See a new place. Treasure K is going to be almost like a deserted tropical island, I think. Anyway, even if it isn't, don't you just want to be able to say you saw it? Mr. Staples almost smiled returned. Guess so, he said. Hey, I've got the perfect woman for you, I told him. I mean, if you ever want to start, you know... Dating again. Who's that? My nanny. No kidding. Listen, why don't you eat dinner with mom and Watson tonight? What if 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 my kid brought a random guy, a random old man to my table at dinner on a ship and was like, hey, I want him to date my grandmother. Yeah. Listen, why don't you eat dinner with mom and Watson tonight? I know they'd like to meet you, and you can meet the rest of my family, too. Well, see you later, I called. I ran off before Mr. Staples could say no. I ran all the way to our cabin. When I opened the door, 
I stopped and stared in horror. Someone had done something to the cabin while I was gone, and I know who that someone was. Dawn. What she had done was straightened it up within an inch of its life. Everything was folded up, hung up, put up, or thrown away. Dawn had spent the morning committing a crime of tidiness. I banged my way into Mom and Watson's cabin without even knocking. Mom! I cried. Would you please talk to Dawn? She's driving me crazy. No, better yet, I rushed on. Can I switch rooms? Can I stay in here? Karen can move in with Claudia and Dawn. Please? Mom was the only one in the cabin. She was sitting at the desk writing a postcard. Honey, do you really think that's fair to anybody? She asked. It's fair to me. Karen and Christy. What about the Claudia and Dawn? Do you think they want to share a room with a six-year-old? And what about Andrew? He depends on Karen. Are you saying no? I'm saying I like you and Dawn to try and work out your differences. We can't, I said flatly. I left Mom's cabin in a huff. At lunch, I spread the word that our daily meeting was canceled. But I made Claudia spread the news to Dawn. I'm really trying to remember what kind of drama I got in when I was a kid. And I'm sure it was just as stupid as this, but this is dumb, dumb, dumb. And reading it as a kid, it didn't strike me just how dumb this is, but this is dumb. Also, now they have people who come in, attendants who come in and, you know, straighten up, make the beds and everything. So that might have happened and she wouldn't even know it. Who knows? But it's dumb. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Leave a review on Spotify. Uh, just five stars. You just push the button. Uh, leave a review on Podchaser. Copy and paste that in the Apple Podcasts. Copy and paste that in the Good Pods. Um, you could donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. Or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Or on um, the Good Pods app, you could just tip, utilizing the tip chart that's on there. Thank you so much for listening. Greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast.